With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. You can always tweet me at Gottlieb Show. Hit me up on the Doug Gottlieb Show fan page uh, or at Gottlieb Show on Instagram as well. If you have a, an All Ball guest that you, you, you think would be good, feel free. Somebody you want to hear from? Topic you want tackled? Knock yourself out. Uh, today's guest is Angela Weathers. Angela was the first head coach of a men's professional basketball team ever. We'll talk about that. But we'll also talk about her journey. Her journey to to this place as a star basketball player in his own right. It is fascinating. Fascinating. Today's really more about her journey. Um, before we get to that, I, I do want to ask this question. You know, when we were kids uh, in, in football, your best player or your star player was a running back. In basketball, your go-to guy was your center. Now, there were exceptions, right? Magic and Bird were the exceptions. They were both big, 6'9 and 6'10, but they weren't centers. They didn't play inside. Both, both though, had tremendous big men. You know, Robert Parrish may have been a little mechanical, but the Chief blocked shots, dunked, made shots, and was generally an incredibly respected member of Larry Bird's Celtics championship crew. Meanwhile, Magic Johnson had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was a six-time MVP and a six-time NBA champion, and the league's all-time leading scorer until LeBron ultimately passes him. So you had great big guys. My, my question is, what about 2022? Well, Jokic is out of the playoffs. Um... 
We've seen a lot of talk about Rudy Gobert maybe being moved or his limitations. And, and part of it is, like, look, he struggles with rotations defensively, and then he doesn't give you a ton offensively either. But I watched Joel Embiid, and I know that Jokic played well, and he's out of the playoffs. And I understand some of it is the teams that you're playing against, but some of it is just how basketball has changed. And I ask you, and I, I think I know the answer. Can you win an NBA championship with a big guy as your best player? And I, I don't think the answer is yes. You can, I think you can win an NBA championship with Joel Embiid. You can win it with Jokic. But there are going to be times in which you're not going to play them because of the matchups. Because they're stretched away from the of the hoop so greatly. And, and this is like, look, in football, you still run the ball. You still use your running backs. We just use... You know, two or three running backs, running backs by committee because they all get banged up and they haven't really, it's super physical and they haven't changed those rules. The same is true for, for big guys. You know, the game is incredibly physical and it's really hard to score down there. So I do wonder if we we're watching Joel Embiid and I was watching in game five and his struggles to score down low and you start to realize that maybe you can't win an NBA championship with your best player being a big. All right, let's get to our, our, our talk with uh, first part one with Angela Weathers. Well, look, obviously, you know, when I intro you, we go through your list of amazing accomplishments, but everybody started somewhere. You started playing basketball where? Uh, So I started playing in um, college at uh, Ole Miss. And then no, no, no. You didn't just start playing there. Oh, oh, you mean as far as like my journey journey? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Like most kids, I started in third grade um, playing with uh, playing with guys. I grew up in an army base and uh, by eighth grade, I was playing with Roman and um, that led to an opportunity for me to be discovered by the forefather of AAU and Charlie Domino in Metairie, Louisiana. And uh, from there, I only played one summer. Wait, you're like, Angela, God bless you. You're like skipping all these steps. Okay, wait. So third grade was what army base? So, um, so my mom, uh, we grew up in Seattle, so I just grew up grew up playing in Seattle and then she married someone that was in the army. And when she married the gentleman in the army, we ended up leaving Seattle and going to Louisiana. Which so I- you go from wait, you go from Seattle, which is beautiful, cool, moist, rainy, <laughs> right? Uh, right? But also, you know, like West Coast, it ain't that you go to the deep south. Deep but south. also also not only you're in the deep south, but you're also there's a completely different culture with an army base. What was that like for you? Uh, well, um, because we were, uh, my mom was a single mother it, from going no structure to structure. It was, it was just, it was, it was a culture shock. Basically you have, you know, obviously the culture in Louisiana and the South, um, you know, coming from Seattle and into the Bible belt was just complete culture shock on 10 different levels. So, um, the basketball in the South, um, that's all you do. You know, that was just basically an everyday thing. Every kid eat, live, lives and breathes basketball. So, yeah, except now was was it uh, for, for a, a young girl and then becoming a woman in terms of playing basketball? What was that like during your era? Well, during my era, there weren't a lot of even though girls played, there weren't a lot yeah. of girls took it very seriously. They weren't I, hoopers. They weren't they hoopers. Were, you yeah. were a hooper. 
Exactly. Hooper duper. So in my era, I so case in point, I grew up watching men's college basketball. I didn't even watch women's college basketball. So I, I grew up watching Stacey Ogman and, you know, guys at UNLV and and, um, you know, uh, Toby Bailey at UCLA. So I, you know, for me, I was different. You know, it was it was something that I thought that you just woke up and did every single day. And so um, when I got to the AAU circuit, which was the only type of basketball being played outside of school basketball, you know, to me, it was like, oh, okay, there's more people that play this game. And it, quite frankly, for me, it didn't matter who else played the game because I was playing with grown men. So I had a different mentality on top of that. So when I stepped into um, that realm, for me, my confidence level was, it was just different. It was different for a girl. It was, you know, like the love and basketball. I'm better than you, you know, I'm better than everyone. So I just had a different chip, chip on my shoulder. And part of that also was as a result of the, uh, the trauma and the, you know, dysfunction going on in my home. So I just, um, it, so it, it was, your, it was your outlet. It was my outlet. It was my, it was my sanctuary. The game, the gym became my sanctuary. And, um, you know, I wasn't like, it wasn't like now where girls have trainers and, you know, all this good stuff. Um, I actually, picked up the game by watching some guys play and left their ball behind at the rec center. And I would, every time, uh, you know, they would leave, I would go and, uh, you know, kind of just work on my game and shoot and whatever have you. And, uh, luckily, you know, whatever I saw as far as, uh, you know, shot mechanics was good because that became a strong suit of my game. It's funny. Imagine the people you could have copied and mimicked. Where did you learn to shoot? Like, I don't know. I just copied some guys. You spoke (laughs) of the trauma at home. How bad was it? Um, so it, you know, it, it definitely was, um, wow. So I grew up in Seattle, uh, before uh, moving to Louisiana at a time where, um, you know, gangbanging Crips and Bloods was like a thing. And my siblings, my two older siblings were into it. And so mom was, um, you know, working three jobs. So it was very, very difficult. Um, there was always the noise and the sound, um, of just, you know, craziness in my house. So for me, uh, being the middle of five children, uh, at home, I just took to a different, I don't know, just a different way I internalized. And so I kept a lot to myself. I really wasn't like my two older siblings. I really wasn't like the two younger. And, um, and I just, you know, I took to sports and that became, you know, my way of escape. It was what I thought about all the time. It was, I didn't want to play with dolls or Barbies. (laughs) It was just, it just became a part of every fiber of my being naturally and organically. And I think that's probably why I became such a natural talent in the game. When, so were you in Louisiana your entire, or I mean, usually army bases, you move around, don't you? No, yeah. So, uh, so astonishingly, mom married um, into, uh, like I said, someone in the military and he had a medical dispatch and they, they used to joke around, you know, if you got stationed at Fort Polk or Fort Puke, you would be stuck there. And sure enough, um, he had a medical dispatch. He was diagnosed with sleep apnea. So we didn't move around, you know, so we were stuck in then um, what became moving off of the army base to Leesville, Louisiana, and people about um sorry that was uh, was calling me um so yeah they our mascot where the mascot is a wampus cat (laughs) so what is a wampus cat i don't i don't know to this day some type of cat so um you know but the amazing thing was 
you know, in hindsight, when I look back at it, I was just very fortunate to grow up with um, top tier athletes. Um, I went to school with Cecil Collins. Uh, they went on to the NFL the Moa brothers that went to the NFL and to my mallet, who was, uh, you know, uh, a NBA prospect and, and Mr. Mr. Germany. So there was, there was a certain sense of focus there. Um, but when it also came to kids that were from the city, because I came off of the army base, I wasn't liked a whole lot by my teammates or, or anyone for that matter. So I was always a loner. A wampus cat is a cat-like creature. In American <laughs> folklore. Yeah. Uh, that varies in appearance, but it's a real thing. And uh, yeah, the wampus cat. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? Um, you're in high school. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when did the thought, as you said, you grew up watching men's college basketball. Sure. When, when did it become real that you could actually, you could play college basketball in your own right? You know, that's a great question. So I... It was like it, it wasn't really ever a thought but until I went to play this thing called AU and I right. was like, OK, well, OK, this is a part of the process. And as Domino explained that to me um, and I didn't I didn't want to do it uh, because I was an introvert. So I decided that I would just, you know, I heard this was a part of the process, but how about I just get it done in school basketball? So yeah. I and that's what I did. Um, and because of that, that put a little more fuel under my tail. And at that national tournament, um, I tell people this story. I remember I was on a team with three strings of all states players and this all district players in the state of Louisiana. Anybody that could hoop was on this team. And so, you know, a blow to my ego, I was on the third string and I'll never forget it. We went in number five in the nation. Uh, we ended up coming out number 14, but Domino called my name. Uh, we were playing a game and I just remember going to, um, he said, Davidson. And so I jumped up and I go to the scores table and I just look up in the stands and I see clipboards and logos. And I can't even tell you, I just, when I went in that game, Within an eight minutes, man, I just obviously did what I do, um, a little bit of everything. And it was a blur after that. But I mean, I probably played all of 10 minutes in the national tournament. And by the time I got home, I, I remember uh, late summer checking my mailbox. And I can't remember the first uh, piece of mail, which college, um, you know, as far as other than what I was getting from Magny State University, a couple of local universities from going to camp, um, what that letter was. but. I knew, you know, I just knew that I was going to play college basketball. And then day after day, it began to flood. The mailbox began to flood. You know, what was fascinating is um, you were one of the first, and there was always, you know, you go back to Penny Tol uh, Toller yep. and, and, um, and Pam McGee and yep. um, Cheryl Miller. There's, yep. there are women that play basketball and there are women that are basketball players and it's the movement Mm -hmm. It was the naturalness of your movement where like, if I didn't, if, if I didn't know you were a woman, I would say like, well, okay, that's a basketball player. It, yeah. Is it, it was, it, was it ever, was it ever a thing within a women's locker room where like some girls play like girls, it's a different yeah. way of like shooting them a shot, putting the ball and some are like hoopers. Yeah. And I, I feel like you were right. Was that, was it noticeable to, to women as it is to men? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was a, I was a shot blocker. You couldn't shoot the ball anywhere near me. Um, right. I was a above the rim rebounder. I could dunk in 10th grade. 
I was a high flyer. Um, my first step was unbelievable. It was like, you know, you know, she's amazing. All you can do is, is, is try to contain her. So, well, where were your first dunk in 10th grade? Where was it? So I was actually in California. Um, I was playing in the Sano Classic Games and my coach, she played at, um, at uh, UNLV. And so she was mentoring me and I was playing in, you know, like I said, different camps and things like that. And it was so funny. Uh, one of the people, he actually left the gym and I was, I was a perfectionist. So I didn't ever want to fail in front of anyone, in anyone. And so Tony Bland was actually in the gym. We were, we were friends and he left out and uh, another young lady that we were with. And I just grabbed the, the basketball and I was like, I'm going to do this. And when they, they went to get water, when they came back in, I was like, I just dunked it. Yo, I just dunked it. They were like, you're lying. I was like, yes, I did. So what I did do was I went and, you know, grabbed the rim or whatever. Like, she's not lying. She's not lying, dude. She literally. So you couldn't do it again, though? You only did it once? I did. I did because I was that much of a perfectionist that I didn't want to fail. (laughs) Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Uh, Take me through your college decision. 
Sure. So because, like I said, um, I was going to, my mom put me in position to go to be recruited early. So I was exposed in seventh grade to local colleges, uh, you know, Northwestern State, Magny State University, Division One schools in Louisiana. And um, so those were I, where I got my first letters. And um, one of the coaches actually that was at Magny State University. He was a smart man. He, you know, gained, uh, you know, a good rapport with me and a, a close relationship to where, um, you know, he followed me throughout um, as I got into high school. So when I got into high school and like I said, the the, the, the recruitment was already picking up from having played AU, um, you know, I had by the time I was going into 11th grade, I was a WBCA um, and a Nike All-American um, uh, candidate in an invite to um, to everything you could think of and an ESPN 100. So um, all of the schools that were recruiting me were uh, top, you know, top 25 schools in the country. So of the, you know, what I narrowed down from 100 to, you know, 50 to 25 ended up being top 25 schools. But there again, because I did not research or watch the women's game, I couldn't have told you like who was who was who amongst who uh, in the SEC to the Conference USA um, and ACC that were recruiting me. I mean, I knew the names of the schools, but I had no idea um, what to, you know, base my decision on otherwise than I want to play in the, I want to play professional basketball because WBA wasn't around and I want to be, I'm going to be on TV. I want to play professional basketball and that's that. Okay. So, so how'd you make your decision? So literally what I did was I did ask schools a series of questions. Uh, I took, I, my intention was to take all five visits, but I did not. I only took a few of them. And because of the relationship with the coach that was at Magny State University, he ended up being named the head assistant at, at Ole Miss. So when he got named the, um, you know, head assistant at Ole Miss, it was like a no brainer. Like I trusted him. I was a homebody. He knew I was a, um, you know, small town kid. And so um, even though, I went on a few visits. It was pretty much a done deal. I verbally committed uh, the first, the first uh, uh, official visit I had at Ole Miss, like, and they were number one. And so, um, you know, they took me back and, you know, had that conversation uh, without my mom. And when I came out, she was, I said, she said, well, how'd it go? I said, well, it was good, you know? And then she learns later, she's like, what? She was like, you, you verbally committed. You didn't tell me that. I was like, well, I didn't know what that was. I guess that's what I did. So, um, yeah, that's how that went. What was Ole Miss like? You know, I went to Ole Miss at a time where uh, there was uh, some some just funny things happening in the world. The Confederate flag was a huge issue, was an ongoing thing. And so um, there were not a whole lot of, um, you know, black students, let alone that, you know, at the university, most of them were um, black student athletes. And so the culture was very small and it looked like, you know, um, where I had come from, you know, it was very black and white. And so I felt comfortable. Oxford is a very small town. There's not a whole lot to get yourself into. You got to be like looking for, you know, for trouble. And um, to me, it was, you know, the amenities, the, uh, the buildings, everything was just, um, you know, the newer uh, parts that were, that mattered, you know, where we did strength and conditioning were, you know, they were amazing. So to me, um, it was an opportunity to, um, you know, experience the best of the best. Um, now, as far as my onboarding, I was um, recruited uh, by Ron Aldi and, and uh, John Ishi, but 
um, this was a time when um, the literally, I will say, um, Van Chancellor was he did not recruit my class. He was leaving to go to the WNBA. So a lot of the athletes that came in my class, they were inherited. And I would just say it wasn't what I expected. It was like, wait a minute, you know, what is going on here? And so it was it was a it was a bit of a transition. It was not necessarily what I had hoped for. Um, and it did play out as such that way. You know, I had a lot of bumps and bruises um, on my end as well as with the coaching staff. And it just, you know, I will say, you know, I, I, I believe I came in that sense of the era of entitlement. And I was like, I, wait a minute, I'm an ESPN I, uh, 100. I'm not, I don't sit on the bench. I earned a scholarship to play here. I'm out of here. So that is how that went. So um, after year one, I was ready to transfer. And, um, you know, so I, I clearly had still other top 25 schools recruiting me. And um, I came into Ole Miss where there was a, a girl that was really, really good um, who was transferring out and they would not release her. So I knew I didn't have a, a chance to be released to another powerhouse. So I came to um, back home to Northwest State University. So you come home to Northwestern State. Yeah. So now, and look, this is before Ole Miss, before the new building where they had the beautiful arena. Right, right. right. But, so, but it, it, like there's a massive drop off in facilities. Oh my right? gosh. Right. I you know. go from the SEC to <laughs> Northwestern State. We were flying everywhere. Okay. It was like, um, you know, you go from a team, you know, uh, team plane to private plane to uh, long bus rides on a charter and, you know, just everything, everything's different, you know, from strength and conditioning to, level of play in teammates, level of play in opponents. Um, like you said, you know, the amenities and everything. And not that there weren't very hardworking people at Northwestern State University. It's just, I mean, everything is different. It's a different, it's just a different level. It's a, you it's share, a different level. You share, um, you share academic advisors, everything is shared. And so I was, um, you know, that was humbling. It was very humbling. Even the monies and the allowances and, you know, different things that you get, you know, at that P5 level, it was, it was, it was a pill to swallow. Okay, but the basketball, you yeah. were quickly the best player, right? Like it, it. Oh, absolutely. It, so, it, it yeah. changed, but you had to sit. You had to sit a year. I had to sit out. So um, I spent that year sitting out, getting um, quicker, faster, stronger. One of the things going into the SEC, I will say, um, was I was a sopping wet 115 pounds. Okay, at six foot, and 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 so coming into Northwestern State, I spent that time um, eating the weights and protein, and you know, back when creatine was the thing, and sure. literally. That's what I did. Um, and I spent countless hours watching film on, you know, um, what the conference was like and things like that. And um, very quickly, as I was eligible, I jumped out averaging probably 16 points more than ever at the conference, which was what I was supposed to do. Right. Um, what was that like to be successful in an area that you had, had grown up? Like, it's one thing at Ole Miss and again, women's basketball different than men's like, right. If you go away and you play at a big time program, everybody at home sees it. They see yeah. it less often, especially back then. Now you're yeah. back home. Um, what was that like to, to really truly make it to show that all that promise that you had as a high school town is playing out in college? Well, it, um, it definitely felt good. Um, and, and then, and then there were days that, um, you know, just like my life, like it, it, there were days it was very difficult because my teammates were like, who does she think she is? Oh, 
them. So I dealt with that and, and I maintained my focus. And then, um, you know, and then there was, you know, from the, the, the crowd, like we have a great alumni, everyone, the people are, you know, they're, most of them are older, very, very, um, you know, involved and engaged in everything community. So <laughs> it was, it was also exhausting, you know? Uh, so everybody alumni, it was, you know, lots of autograph signing, lots of just uh, long conversations after games with people that were just, you know, amazing fans and sweet. Um, and then actually it also, um, ring my name began to ring a bell across the nation so i received fan mail from the east coast and different places you know so it felt good it felt good what was it like we're you're a little bit younger than me but similar era yeah and i'm, I'm interested in what it was like from this perspective you know sure. guys basketball nba nba and and maybe even slight to a lesser extent overseas ball yeah it's a little bit poison only in that the only way you're going to win, as you know, you've won a lot, is if everybody's playing in the same direction. If everybody's goal is the same, right? Yeah, There's right. no agendas. Yeah. And the problem with men's basketball is every one of those dudes thinks that they're going to go to the NBA, right? And <laughs> most of them are not. And then yeah. they're like, well, if not, I'll go play overseas. And that's incredibly difficult. Right. Women's basketball, up until the last, you know, 10 years, yeah. hasn't, hasn't had that issue. So obviously there was basketball out there to be played, but when you're playing and you're starring at Northwestern state, is it even a thought in your mind about making money, playing overseas, playing professional basketball beyond college? Oh, absolutely. That was the plan since eighth grade. I mean, if you asked me, you know, um, my name, it was, I'm Angela Davidson and I'm going to be a professional basketball player when I grow up. So that was always the plan. Um, it was, it, I will say the transfer, um, it, it really, uh, was a blow to my moral compass and believing that I would get there. Uh, but it was still like, uh, no doubt in my mind that I was going to get there somehow. And so, uh, so with that, um, I will say for me, my true North, um, and my faith walk is what literally kept me on focus to do that. Um, despite playing with teammates that did not have that dream. I literally had maybe one or two teammates that wanted to play professional basketball. And for me, it was like, you know, just, just sticking to the regimen, sticking to what got me to where I was and staying focused on that. And um, yeah, so definitely was always, um, you know, a dream. You finish up at Northwestern State, then what? Yep. Yeah. So um, the reality of playing professionally, coach called me into the uh, into the locker room uh, and to his office and said, you know, hey, I know you want to play professional basketball. Um, <laughs> you know, here's a contact. So one of the coaches in the conference had given me uh, a WNBA, um, you know, FIBA certified uh, agents contact information that was interested in signing. He says, well, you give him a call. It, you know, coach was at that level. Some people, you know, they don't care whether you play or not professionally. And so graciously, um, you know, the, the, the gentleman signed me. Um, and it just so happened he had quite a few WNBA players and um, was taking on international clients. And for the reason that I was a number, one of the number, uh, I was number eight se- uh, senior in the, in the nation and on the senior watch list, um, uh, which I'm assuming is why he took me on. Um, and the Sparks were the only team to ask for my film and they were number one at the time. Uh, so I knew that this was going to be a reality and it was just a matter of um, they were in the salary dispute and it was just a far chance that I would, you know, 
be invited. And so what I did was um, I swallowed the pill and said, okay, well, let's look if you can just get me, you know, obviously into FIBA and where I need to play against these same women, um, I'll make it happen. And so that's what we did. And um, so I had first. So I went to um, I was I was the first woman to play in Macedonia, first black woman to play in Macedonia. So they had just entered into FIBA. And the caveat to that obviously was um, new team to FIBA. And, you know, it, I only went to Europe just contingent upon going to the WNBA and getting back. So played in uh, a Troca league as well. Average a double-double in the Trocal League, led in every statistical category in the first round of FIBA. We got knocked out, and I'm like, deuces, I'm going home. And <laughs> what was it? What was Macedonia like? You know, it was very peaceful. It's a, I mean, it is a very poor country. It's small. Um, but I played for the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest gentlemen that owns a you know textile company there. So it was real. Um, laid back, you know, um, very, very quiet, serene. Um, I was by the um, the Black Sea. And so I just, you know, I just took a lot of time to just, uh, again, just eat. Lip- what what language? What language they speak? Um, is Kyrilitsa is what it's called. <laughs> so did you pick it up? I mean, you know, where's my money? Good day. Dope that I did. Yeah, where- <laughs> Everybody yeah. knows where's my money. That is yeah. international. That is, where is my money? No yeah. money, no practice. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, you know, literally, um, yeah, that was the case. They're very kind people. They embraced me. I became a celebrity. Um, my coach, he also coached some of the uh, local youth. And so I would volunteer my time. And um, and so I received a letter um, from them to present, uh, you know, to wherever I was going, that um, it was an honor and a privilege for them to have me. And um, I intend, I actually am doing a grant right now uh, for Macedonia. So this is crazy how we come full circle. So is that the only foreign country you played in? Yeah. So, yeah. And literally toward um, Greece, Bulgaria, um, you know, so it's a, it's a very large. Right. But um, you didn't like, once you went, we got to the WNBA, you, you weren't bouncing I, back because, because most, a lot of women, we bounce back and play in the rushes and whatever, make, make a bunch no, of money. No, and nope. I knew, I knew I was a WNBA player. I went, came back and then I played in the NWBL. And so the NWBL was a fast growing, what would be equivalent to the G league. Um, yep. I played Lieberman Klein and Candy Harvey and uh, Deion Sanders for show. And um, so I did that for two years um, in hopes to get back in and, on American soil instead of going back overseas. So I opted out of that. What was it like to make it to the WNBA? Um, so actually I was a free agent, so I didn't get in, um, you know, which was, which was fine. I did get to play in the NWBL with, um, Cheryl Ford, Cheryl Swoops. Um, we had the most WNBA players on my team, uh, than any other team. So, you know, what that was, that league was like, that league was like the USBL. I played in the USBL Sim- similarly, exactly. the USBL, like, you know, I played with Willie Burton, yep. who was the ninth pick in the draft. You play with guys that are pros that are trying to get back in the league. Exactly. So and, that's- and, and, you know, and they just, their sneakers squeak a little different, but it's amazing <laughs> yeah. what a different, it's definitely different than playing in FIBA. It's different than playing in college basketball and you're playing WNBA or NBA rules with WNBA or NBA players. It's like a different sport. It was literally, that was, so I tell people that was my WNBA. The game was good to me. I earned the respect of the greatest players in the game. And that's exactly what that was. I know a couple guys, John Cofino and, um, Oh, uh, Holbright. Uh, he, he actually became my son's 
college coach at Kilgore later. So knew a couple of those USBL guys. Mark Aguirre so, was there then. Who was? Mark Aguirre. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, so when did when did coaching become a possibility? Like through all this stuff, like you yeah. don't you, you, like how did when did coaching become something that that intrigued you? Well, um, you know, after I was able to just um, swallow the reality, after, it took me probably two years to realize, like, okay, this is not, this is, it's I'm not okay that it's not happening. I didn't that I didn't play, hey, because I know that um, the game was good to me. And so, okay, what do I do next? And sure enough, um, I became a, a skills coach first, a trainer, and sure. so. Coach was not a word that I wanted any kid to call me. Okay. It was, I'm, you know, this is, this is, this is uh Miss Angela. Don't call me coach. Okay. And um, with that, I started training uh, youth in Collin County and it just so happened to be, they ended up be very, very talented young group of young ladies. And uh, before you knew it, their parents were like, Hey, you got to coach our kids. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm not a coach. And so I, I accepted it, the challenge um, in about year two um, after Chris Bosch's um, uncle had given me a gym for like for free. And so with that, I ended up going in um, and finishing very high, uh, which doesn't happen in AU as a top 20 team in the nation. And so I said, well, OK, so by year two, I expanded from two to 10 basketball teams and boys and girls youth AU. And so um, that's when I was like, you know what, this is all right. And I will say I was I was fully OK with it when um, my top player standing at 6'3", um, 220 in the 10th grade was invited to Nike and the Nike camp that I missed because I was pregnant as a young student athlete. She was afforded the opportunity to be invited and I accompanied her there and to see all of the coaches that recruited me on the baseline. And when I walked into my Jordan outfit and they were like, that is Angela Davidson. Oh my gosh. Who did she bring here? And to see this kid do what she did against one of the top seniors in the country, I knew that he was okay. And I was okay with coaching and being where I was at. Wait, we, we skipped something here. You got pregnant when you're playing in college? In high school. I don't, I don't tell people that, that people kind of do the math, uh, but I was, I was going into my senior year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're in what Metairie, right? You're in, yeah. you're in Louisiana. Yeah. Right? Leesville. Oh, you're in where? Leesville, Louisiana. Okay. You're in Leesville, Louisiana. Yeah. And you're a high school basketball star. Yeah. And had you committed to Ole Miss at this point or not yet? Um, so um, no, I had not. So um, about 50 of the top 150 dropped off and 50 that were still there. And, I, and then when I narrowed down my list of top 25, they were still there. Okay. So but this was before that. Okay. So when did you actually find out you were pregnant? Um, going into um, my, in my, in my junior year, I, okay, so I you're, you're junior. Are you playing at the time? Is it winter? Yeah. Is it, yeah. So winter, you find out you're pregnant. I delivered him September 1st. So you but figure, hold on, but, wait, but again, don't skip. Cause this part, like first, this is so far out of, I know there's plenty there. I have friends, there's guys that, that had a kid when they were in high school or in college, but not actually the woman who's the hooper. Okay, so you're playing. Yeah. How long did, did you know you're pregnant before you told anybody? I was three before I you told my months? three months and I told my high school coach. I didn't I didn't even tell my mom. I told my coach. 
what was that conversation like? Um, I, you know, I went in the office and I said, I have something to tell you and you're not going to be proud of me. And I started to cry. He already knew. And he said, you're pregnant. And I said, yeah. And I can't tell my mom. <laughs> my mom it, at the time was a fiery Jew and she like drove all over the world for me in basketball. And so I knew she was going to kill me. I just knew she was going to kill me and she didn't kill me clearly, but I went through a lot, you know, once mom knew it was, you know, it was, it was really tough, like really tough. Like in our, in that culture, you do not embarrass the family. And what I did was like the whole total embarrassment of embarrassment. And so that is why I did not get, um, that's why I was not, I was a high school, high school American nominee. And that's why I was not named an all American. And, um, it was why I, I missed the opportunity to uh, accomplish that all American status. Because so, so, so you, so that summer before your senior year, you're pregnant, you deliver your child in September and September then, one. and then like, so I was, he was nine pounds. I was overweight. Um, and clearly I was 18 years old. Um, 17 turning 18 within six days. We are, you know, my birthday's seventh. So, um, yeah, I had joint issues. I, I literally was averaging nothing until January, February of when conference play comes in district play. And when I tell you, because of the scope of my life, the landscape of my life changed drastically. Mm -hmm. I ended up averaging a triple double my senior year, which is, I know is unheard of, but I grew up with blocks though. Right. Wasn't it with blocks it was rebounds and assists or was it with blocks? Oh, points. So I averaged 22 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, five block shots and three steals. <laughs> and you had a kid at home. So how do you, how do you balance that? How do you do that? Like you're 18 well, and you're playing and you're in high school and you have a kid. I was terrible. I was terrible. I was terrible. I was a terrible mother. Um, you know, within six months, I was like, I want to make it. Oh, no. But if it was not for my mother, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, she, you know, mom was adopted at birth. So she was she was very embracing um, when he came at first. Um, the, the decision was, do we keep him or not? Mm -hmm. It was that. And, um, you know, I I was really frustrated. I was really frustrated. I had lots of tears. I tried to do the mom thing and it was like, I am horrible. Uh, but the best thing I could do, what mom put me in position to do was to go to college, get my education and come back and take care of him. And that's what I did. So she took care of him while you were in college? So she took care of him um, the first two years. And then when I started dating my first husband, um, his family took him so I could finish playing. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, I don't tell this story because I want young women to know that I don't glorify it by any means. It's, it's a very difficult thing to bounce back from, um, but we are human and we are women in the game. And when I played back then, coaches would eat your alive if, if, if they found out that was, you didn't, you, you didn't even keep scholarships back then. If you found out you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. That's a wow from Angela. I really appreciate her joining me. We'll get to point uh, part two upcoming. A reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is available daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on your iHeartRadio app, FoxWordsRadio.com, or uh, SiriusXM217203. In the meantime, stay tuned for part two. Angela was fantastic. The tale gets even better. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. 
1-800-636-8365. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits... LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.